Welcome to Women of Character, Barrier Busters. This podcast is brought to you by the TurkNet Leadership Group. I'm Ann Quiello, Senior Consultant at TurkNet and an Executive Coach and host of today's podcast. At TurkNet, we support leaders to figure out their goals and then find the right paths to achieve them. In this podcast series, I explore how women build and sustain character in all kinds of challenging contexts. For example, the challenges women face in the workplace during the pandemic, ongoing issues of equality and inclusion, letting go of self-limiting beliefs, and a whole lot more. We'll get their insights to how they persevered and achieved amazing heights. Well, speaking of busting barriers, today I'm excited to chat with Rosa Gatti. She's formerly the Senior Vice President of Communications Council and Corporate Outreach at ESPN. But here's the busting barriers part. Rosa joined ESPN in 1980, really in its infancy. She was a cable television pioneer in the streaming industry that we take for granted today. We were just talking about how there's Back in those days, there were two or three channels on our TV. But as the director of communications and then one year later vice president, she built the communications department from the ground up at ESPN and is credited actually with creating and driving its brand all around the world. In 1988, she was promoted to senior vice president. And then after other promotions, she eventually was elevated to senior vice president of communications. And then also during her tenure, she also oversaw human resources and diversity initiatives for the company. be interesting to explore how that happened. So before joining ESPN, Rosa enjoyed a distinguished career as the first female sports information director in the NCAA in college sports. She was a vice president and the first female officer of the College Sports Information Directors of America which eventually presented her with the Keith Jackson Eternal Flame Award for dedication to the organization and to college athletics, among many other professional awards that she received. She served on the Villanova University Board of Trustees for 10 years. She joined the University of New Haven Board of Governors in 2010, where we met, and she served as past president of the Board of Directors of the Association for Cable Communicators. So this is a special honor for me, as I've known Rosa for several years, and I'm really looking forward to sharing her amazing story with all of you. So Rosa, thank you, and especially for your generosity, I should say, of time and your spirit. So welcome. (laughs) Thank you, Anne. It's my honor, privilege to to talk with you. You have men... (laughs) pioneered in your world, and and you could easily be doing this uh, podcast as well. Well, thank you. But uh, not nearly uh, to the degree that you did and with ESPN, which, by the way, for those who may have had their heads in the ground all these years, it's uh, short for Entertainment and Sports Programming Network. Um, and I understand it's, it started in somewhere around 1979 in that time period, can you tell us how did it start and then how in the world did you as a woman in this field uh, get to get to, to join them? Well, um, it started, it launched in September 1979 and the founder, Bill Rasmussen and his son were trying to put together a Connecticut sports network and they found that they 
it was not interconnected, uh, uh, the cable systems. But if they used a satellite, they could reach the entire country. So one thing, a small idea of Connecticut only became a national idea doing sports and sports 24 hours. So people thought we were crazy. You know, who was going to watch sports 24 hours? And we kept saying, we don't expect people to watch all day long, but there were people who would get home from work at 10, 11 o'clock at night. And what could they watch? There were just maybe three networks and many of those networks went off the air. So this, it was a novelty and uh, none of us, uh, when we arrived, none of us dreamt what it would become today. I was going to ask you, did you have any inkling at all? When you joined them, did you have any inkling that, oh, this I'm joining something big? <laughs> no, and, and what happened was when they were starting out, they did a lot of events in New England, and I was working at Brown University at the time, and they came to do some soccer games and lacrosse and so on, and they were very uh, disorganized. And we were hosting the men's ice hockey championships and ESPN was televising them. And the producer recommended me to the president of ESPN. And when I was offered the position, initially I said, they're so disorganized. I don't know what, you know, if they're going to make it. But at the time I knew I wanted to do something different. So I took the risk and thank God I did. (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. Well, so what was it like for you as the only woman um, that was on board ESPN at the time? I was petrified. Often, you know, the only woman. There was another woman who became vice president who was head of finance. And uh, I was petrified in those meetings, uh, very intimidated, you know, because we didn't, certainly my generation did not grow up with those ideas of being in corporate America and or the sports world. You know, there were women who became coaches, but working in sports as head of communications of a media company, never dreamt of that. So I was scared and often uh, I almost quit. Uh, Many times I was in tears. It was was challenging. Most men supported me, but there were these outliers who made it difficult and I almost quit, but you know, with family and friends support and sharing with them, you know, I was able to get through that and, and realize that this too shall pass. You know, it's a, an issue of the day, but this will pass. Yeah. You know, it just reminds me, oftentimes I'll talk to women and they'll talk about the microaggressions that occur at work, but oh, the way you yes. characterized it, I'm wondering if it was more macroaggressions in that day and age. There, there are a few um, macro uh, where I, I had to confront and uh, I didn't have to go to human resources, which I highly recommend if it's a serious situation that you do that. But in my case, I dealt, we didn't know any better. We weren't trained for this. And so I just dealt directly and I had to work with, a, you know, a couple of these men and I kind of sort of put them on notice with some humor, I, you know, but I would, or I would say very directly, are you sure you want to say that, make that comment? I, what are you saying? What are you, where are you coming from? You know, I would come back with another question. It's very good to come back with a question or humor, but if it's very serious stuff, you need to go to human resources. Yeah. yeah makes sense. Well, I'm curious about your growing up years. 
What do you think were the character shaping kind of moments in your earlier life that prepared you for this role? Oh, goodness. Well, my mom and dad you know, really gave me the foundation uh, of uh, values and faith um, to endure a lot of situations. And um, my mom was very strong, but she was a homemaker. She later worked, but she was very strong. And my dad was very much the PR outgoing person uh, and kind to everyone. And they both were very involved with the church and uh, giving back and to charities. So that, uh, I think it was the key to my success. Um, the, the foundation of values from my family and then through my education. Mm-hmm. That is so important. Kind of helps to live a life of integrity, doesn't it? To have a strong set of values. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's like number one on my list of advice is honesty. Um, there, there's too much game playing in, in corporations, in our world, and with leaders. You know, if we could only be honest with each other and, and speak the truth, um, that's not always easy. You know, as a woman, and the only woman in the field at a major college at the time, I felt I had to carry this mantle for other women and that I had to, I was pet. I was so afraid of not succeeding and letting women down by my not succeeding such that I was afraid to make a mistake. And I put enormous pressure on myself and I found I did. I made several mistakes, and I would try to cover up some of them. But I remember I made a mistake at ESPN. I forgot to do something, and I had to go in and tell the president that I had forgotten to do something he had asked. And I had a solution. It's always good if you have a solution. But when I said to him, "I forgot," it released all that pressure. And it was a big lesson for me. And he came back and he said, Rosa, I forgot I asked you to do that. <laughs> so he had totally, <laughs> he had totally forgotten too. Um, but uh, it's very important if you say you forgot, most people will say, oh, okay, <laughs> that's okay. You were honest with them. Yeah. Yeah. It almost sounds uh, like vulnerability, you know, just admitting yes. that you made a mistake. And, yes, uh, I, you, you, yes, that that's so important uh, to admit your vulnerability, to admit your mistakes. I would say through most of my career, I was so afraid that I would and I was so serious and I was putting in all these extra hours and ESPN was doing this brand marketing campaign and one of its slides was we take sports seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. And I had this aha moment. Oh my gosh, I have been taking myself too seriously. And I got into a whole assessment of my own brand. So while we were looking at how we were building ESPN's brand, what was my brand? Who was I? And I I share this with women to take, this sounds a little bizarre, but take yourself outside yourself and look at yourself. How did you come across in this meeting? You know, how do people perceive you? The 360 surveys are good, but 
every day I, I come out of a meeting and I say, why did I, why didn't I say that? Or, oh gosh, why did I say that? Oh my gosh, I can't believe I said that. But I was, every time I was making myself better, I was self-assessing. And at the same time, not taking yourself too seriously? Well, I learned, I learned, I had a sense of humor and I was also a practical joker. You know, you have to be careful about that. But I was now realizing, oh my gosh, I've got to let that side of me out and have more fun. You know, people want to work with people who come in who are positive and smiling and let's go to it. And uh, they don't want someone coming in. They say, I remember they, Rosa, how you doing? Oh, I'm so busy. Oh, I'm so busy. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, Rosa, you know, everybody's busy. Would you stop this? But then I learned to start to say something of substance. I would say, oh gosh, did you see what happened? Did you read the, the journal today about XYZ story? So I, instead of saying, oh, woe is me, I'm so busy. I started to realize, bring substance to the discussion. So I'd say, do you see this article? And then we would have a good exchange. And then I think there was more respect than, you know, I was in, you know, in the know. Well, it sounds like everything you did was about making strong connections, not only Mm -hmm. for the brand, um, Mm -hmm. but also for yourself and with others to build those connections and those relationships and to do it from your strengths. So Mm. I I think that's, uh, there's some, so many leadership lessons packed in all of that, Rosa. Well, you know, you, so that is a, it's a perfect segue into number two advice, Mm -hmm. teamwork, Mm -hmm. teamwork, reaching out to people. And I was shy. I grew up really shy. So I had to push myself to do that. And I would avoid the people who were causing me difficulties. I would avoid them. I didn't want to deal with them. The game players, I avoided them like the plague. And one of my colleagues said to me, Rosa, my dad always said, keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer. And I went, wow. (laughs) I came to find out that was in The Godfather. (laughs) But it's it's also in the Bible, actually, about, you know, loving your enemies, too. And, And so I had to learn to overcome that and really reach out to the people who were very difficult and say, hey, let's go for a cup of coffee. You know, let's talk about this issue. But I learned these, a lot of these things I had learned in the latter part of my career had I known these in the beginning of my career. So, so organizations like yours are so important because if, if women can learn these things earlier, they're going to be you know, more successful. Yeah, that is actually my whole purpose. I feel exactly as you do. So I want to move on to your most joy-filled, pride-filled accomplishments and accomplishments at ESPN. What would you say they are? I, I would say that when we received, well, you know, we were often uh, looked at as like the little engine that could, you know, you had all the big broadcast networks and you had this cable company and many people thought we wouldn't succeed. So one of the proudest moments was when our team won PR team of the year, corporate team of the year. 
And it was in New York City, and we were supposed to, uh, the leader, myself, we were supposed to go up on stage and accept the award. And I thought, I'm going to break the mold. I warned my team, I said, if we get this, I want you all to rush up to the stage. And they did. They ran up to the stage, and <laughs> we accepted it as a team. Um, and that was, gosh, that was one of my proudest moments. Yes. And then you also, if from an earlier memory that I have of a conversation we had, I remember you saying something about how how proud you were of actually starting the first initiative at ESPN around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm, yes, um, it was back in the early '90s. Actually, it was you know, the Anita Hill, Clarence Thomas hearings, Supreme Court justice. And if women are familiar, they should Google this and look it up. And it was on television. And I was at a management event and some women came up to me and they were talking about some of their experiences. And I thought, okay, I knew some of this might be going on. And, and basically it was mostly comments that would be made in the workplace. And um, you know, sexual, you, you never heard about sexual harassment policies in the uh, late 70s, early 80s. It was later that those memos started coming out about sexual harassment. So I thought, you know, I, as an officer of the company, need to tell the president that we have some issues here, uh, particularly in the production and operations area where they were working around the clock. So I then, I knew that I had to have some recommendations of how we make it better. So I put together a, a memo saying that, you know, other women had shared these experiences and uh, that we should start a women's committee. And that president said, well, if we start a women's committee, we're going to have to start a, a this committee and a that committee. And a couple years later, I then realized it dawned on me, a diversity committee to deal with all issues surrounding diversity. So as a woman, knowing what it was like for me, I tried to put myself in the shoes of an African-American coming into the company. What was it like for people of color coming into a very white environment in the late 80s, early 90s? And uh, so I started, uh, that president agreed. We started a diversity committee and diversity training and how we could uh, become more like our fans, more like our audience, look like our audience, and you know how we could grow from recruitment, orientation, promotion, you know, through all of the typical uh, corporate um, aspects, and uh, started that. And there, there were not many materials. There were very few companies. I was probably in 1993, I would say, or 94. So uh, it's grown tremendously. And, and uh, but we were just starting out trying to figure it out. Wow. Well, those women had to really trust you, I would think, Rosa, to be able to even make the comments and then for you to take Ooh. them forward appropriately and to do something constructive. Wow. Oh, boy, you are so right on that. And you know that's not on my list of advice, confidentiality. So, yes, women who felt they could come to me and talk to, to me uh, more so than to the male leaders. And But I had to tell them that if they were going to tell me something that was very egregious, 
that I was an officer of the company and I had an obligation to take it to human resources. So I had to warn them at the very beginning of the conversation, you know, and I, I would talk to them about how they could push back, you know, on these little micro situations. But, um, but I also had to caution about the seriousness of situations. Yeah. Yeah. But confidentiality, confidentiality is critical because I would have other leaders come to me, the presidents of the company. When you're in a role of public relations and media relations, they have to share with you situations before they're going to happen, you know, before the announcement is going to be made, because you have to figure out what we're going to do in this crisis or situation. So confidentiality is extremely important in every role in the company. Absolutely. Just a couple other things. One is that I'm really, I've always been struck in knowing you by your self-confidence as well as by your humility. And we already spoke about how you're willing to be vulnerable, uh, but um, you never seem to have a sense of self-importance. So I'm curious, where does that balance of self-confidence and humility, where does that come from? Remembering your roots. Remembering that little girl who was very afraid and very shy. Would When the doorbell would ring, I would run on to the dining room table and hide. And my mother was very worried about that. And she, I used to dance around the house. So she <laughs> took me to dancing lessons. And then I was on stage a little, you know, I played sports with my brothers. You know, I love sports. I watch sports, you know, but I was terribly shy. But here was the distinction. I grew up with conviction. My parents really taught me about those values and conviction so there were there was many a time when I was in grade school and we were late for getting back to class after recess. The other girls elected me to speak to the nun about why we were late. And I'm like, why did they pick me? I mean, I'm so shy. And but I spoke to the nun and explained why we were late. But you know, then then in high school school and then and then in the corporate world there were situations where I had to push myself to speak up and I'll never forget I was opposed to something that our president wanted to do and he wasn't happy with me and I quite candidly thought he was going to fire me and I went into his office he wanted to meet with me and I was shaking and I realized body language was really important. So I pretended that I was confident, but I leaned on the, his desk and I was invading his face, shall we say. But I was leaning forward almost in his face. And he said to me, Rosa, I don't know why you're so emotional about this. And often that would be said to women. I don't know why you're so emotional about this. And I said, emotional? Yes, I am emotional about this, just as our head of sales slams his fist on the desk and he's emotional. You know, men's anger in the workplace was okay, but women's tears were not okay, you know? So I, my eyes would fill up if I felt I was being treated unfairly. Well, so I owned it. Yeah, I am emotional. But then I presented to him facts. I had prepared and I knew that facts would win the day and they did. I helped give him the reasons why not 
and, and arguments he could make with the other leaders who were, you know, opposed to my position. So, so I was shaking shaking in my boots, but I knew that I had to speak from conviction. So I did not have a lot of self-confidence, but I had conviction. And then always reminding myself, myself you know, I, did, I would I see so many smart people, people in the meetings were so smart. And I didn't think I was that smart. Then I found out, you know, I was smart in different ways. You know, we all bring something to the table. Wow, there, that is such a powerful lesson for women and confidence because so many women, just as you described, you know, the inner voice is telling them, uh, and, but you did have that conviction, that mindset that, by golly, these words need to be spoken and I'm in mm-hmm. front of the right person and I've got to do it. That's amazing. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I think my mom, my mom, when she saw something wrong, she didn't hesitate to speak up uh, in her day. And uh, yes, that's what it's about. It's that, yeah, that inner voice. You're right on. Had a a great role model then. So, Rosa, what do you think is the legacy uh, that you left at ESPN? The thing that you're proudest of? Um, Well, the diversity initiatives and, and starting that, beginning that, and uh, building, starting our charitable initiatives from the early years, our first charity was Special Olympics. And then we founded the V Foundation for Cancer Research, which has raised hundreds of millions of dollars for uh, research. And our involvement with the Boys and Girls Clubs, veterans initiatives, so many charitable initiatives. So. Yes, did I work and help? I was one of many who helped build this brand, this uh, success story, American success story. Um, Yes, I was part of that, but I I am probably most proud of building our charitable initiatives. That is a marvelous legacy. So you are part of a much bigger purpose than building the brand. (laughs) Yes. And, and a lot of people will say, well, I'm not in corporate outreach. I'm not in char- charitable initiatives. But what we did, we were able to get other executives to help and come out to team builds, uh, which grow, you know, are helpful with morale. I don't care what area of the company you're in or the organization you're in, you can help and volunteer on initiatives. And that's so important. And what it does, it takes you out of the seriousness of the workplace and your job and what you have to get done. And then going to work in a soup kitchen, you know, you talk about humility. Yeah, I'm a big shot. I'm a senior vice president of communications at ESPN. It's easy to let that go to your head. Um, but to roll up your sleeves and get involved in team builds and, you know, getting your hands dirty, that anyone can do that in any part of the company. Well, I have to ask this final question, and you've given us lots of hints, but if you were to mentor a 21-year-old Rosa Gotti, what are the one to three pieces of advice that you would give her? Okay, so two of them I've mentioned, honesty you're letting them know who you are, you know, then they know where you stand. That is so critical. And, and that, with all your blemishes, honesty, I, you know, I would, some days I was impatient, said the wrong thing, and I'd be driving home from work, and I would call and leave a voicemail saying, hey, I'm sorry about that. I shouldn't have said what I said earlier today. 
I'm sorry about that. So being honest in your relationships, teamwork, we talked about that. The third thing, a, a consultant at ESPN when I was starting out said to me, Rosa, don't be afraid to blow your own horn. And I went, tell, I, that's not my style. I, I, I don't do that. I don't brag about what I'm doing. I said, Rosa, you've got to do it. How, oh, how do I do it? He said, you'll learn. And I did learn. What I learned was, and this is the advice, let them know what you're doing. They're all busy and they're all under pressure, whether it's from the board of directors, shareholders, whoever it is, even the president is under pressure. And they're all in their own worlds. They're not thinking about, oh, what did Rosa do for us today? And what did Rosa do? For so even if you're not asked, Put together reports, memos, letting them know what you're doing. And if you have a team saying, Mike thought of this, Katina thought of that, Chris had this great idea, you can bring in your team players. And then every once in a while, you bring in your idea. I thought of this. It's okay then to pepper it with your own ideas, but let them know what you're doing. And getting ready for performance review in advance. I, you know, a lot of times they've already made the assessment in advance, put together the achievements for the year and what you want to work on for next year, you know, what you want to improve on. So communications is, is my last piece of advice. And, And it's for women, it's for men, anyone in the workplace. And I would think that that would build even more confidence once you've cataloged all of your achievements, communicated. You're right well. about that. Yes. You forget when you look back. So, so I would go through my calendar and be reminded of what we did in January and March and so on. And uh, yes. And, and a very important thing is try to quantify what you've done. Because very hard to quantify public relations. But what we did, we started taking the articles that appeared and what was the value of that appearance in that publication. I often say senior executives speak one language, and that's the language of numbers. <laughs> yes, that is true. Make sure that you include true. numbers. Mm-hmm. Well, Rosa, this has been phenomenal. I knew it would be, and you certainly came through. So thank you so much for all of your uh, wisdom, your experience, and, uh, and the generosity of sharing that all with us. My pleasure. And thank you for all that you do for women. Thank you. And others. Thank Thank you. you.